0: Finishing up our series in the Psalms here tonight with Psalm 150, Psalm of Praise. You know, it's it's easy to praise the Lord when things are going really well. And a lot of times we think about praise as music, right? Have a time in your life or remember a moment, a conference or an event, a retreat of some sort where you had this great experience of praise and you deeply felt God's presence. It's not bad. But the test of praise, of course, the test of do you praise the Lord, not just based on what you feel, but based on who He is and who you are, is do we praise God when things are hard? I've always been struck by this story. There's this book published by DC Talk and Voice of the Martyrs does anyone remember this book yes Sarah Rhodes what's up you what you remember it and you read it I love this book these stories of of martyrs a martyr is someone who loses their life for Jesus or maybe they're they're deeply persecuted because of their faith in Jesus and it's kind of an update on the old fox's book of martyrs these contemporary stories and actually some were older stories about those people who went to their death even praising God I was very struck by this story it was in was it either in North or South Korea? And I'm going to just butcher dates and situations here. Okay, so take this uh, with paraphrase. But basically, it was around a time when when there was a war, middle of the 20th century. Um, I think it was right before there was the great divide between the North and and the South. And at the time, uh, there were families who were uh, still living in North Korea who were then basically being ousted and persecuted and many even killed if they would claim faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a reason for that, by the way. That's because if the state or the president or the king or the emperor wants to be God, then you can't have Christians running around. Cuz they're going to start saying stuff like, "Yeah, you're really important, but you're not the king of the universe. You have authority, but you don't have ultimate authority." And there's a story in there about a family who's found out by this uh, you know military gestapo they were going door to door and many who were christians were denying they were christians to save their lives i'm sure we would all do differently yeah right i mean someone comes to my door are you a christian i'm looking over at my two little girls yeah I, and i'm not even sure that's wrong to be honest with you to do that sort of a quarterback sneak to somebody who's coming to kill your family but the story of one family who uh who said when the soldiers came to the door yeah we believe in jesus and you know, the wife's begging the husband, please, please, you know, just watch what you say. And you know, Well, is Jesus your king or will you submit to the new rule? Well, you know, we'll, we'll submit, but Jesus is our, our king. And they, they proceeded to take this family out of the house. And this is a true story. And as it goes, they laid this family down in the road out in front of their house. And they did what so many you know, totalitarian regimes uh, do. They designed an object lesson for the rest of the village, for the rest of the community, so that everybody would know Um, that they were not to be trifled with. And they laid these people down in the road, husband, wife, and even children, and they proceeded to run over them with vehicles, killed them. But as they were doing so, it said that the, the father began to sing a hymn of praise. And before you know it, the entire family had joined in, singing this hymn of praise, singing a praise to their God, even as they were killed for their faith. Praise isn't just what we feel when we sing the songs that we like in the way that we like to sing them. Praise is costly. Admitting this, saying this, believing this. Praise the Lord. It is costly. And that story has stuck out to me since I was 16. And I'm I'm scared to death of this at the same time I long to have something that worthy and that glorious in my life. That worth fighting for that death might come my way, but yet I will praise Him. We're Closing our series in the Psalms, talking about gospel rhythms and developing in our lives rhythms of praise. Praise and worship is our right response to who God is as He's revealed Himself in the Scriptures. And we'll see it tonight in our text. He is Yahweh. He is the Lord. He is I am that I am. He's the ruler of the universe. He knows everything. He has all power and all dominion, and He is worthy of our praise in both what we say and what we do. And so Psalm 150 is this capstone psalm to the entire Psalter. It is the last psalm. It's a psalm that tells us, that commands us to praise the Lord. Everything that has breath at all times and in all ways in life, And in death, in victory, and in persecution, praise the Lord. So let's read this psalm together and then pray for God's wisdom as we hear the gospel tonight. Psalm 150, actually, back up to 145 here. 145 is the last, excuse me, 144 is the last, no, 145 is the last psalm that is written by someone who is named in the psalm. A psalm of David. And I just want to read the titles of these psalms because as you know, these last five psalms 146 through 150 are kind of this doxology they build into this great eruption of praise listen to the title psalm 145 is by david great is the lord psalm 146 no author put your trust not in princes praise the lord it begins praise the lord it ends 147 he heals the brokenhearted 148 praise the name of the lord 149 sing a new song to the lord and finally 150 Let everything praise the Lord. Hear the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for all his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and, as Rob loves to do, with dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Now that's a musical pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we we do know you have a, a sense of humor, but we come here too to be serious and reverent before you. Everything that has breath is to praise you. Everything in all creation was made to give you praise. The plants and the animals the ground beneath our feet, the stars in the heavens. We, made in your image and knowledge, righteousness and holiness with dominion over the creatures in the land, we were made to praise you, to bring you glory forever. This is what we were made to do in all of the book of Psalms, in all five books of the Psalms from the very beginning, the prologue. Blessed is the man who walks in this way throughout Psalms of lament and praise. It builds to this glorious last five Psalms crescendo. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Praise God for who He is. And in praising You, Lord, it it renews us, it encourages us, it lifts us out of the pit, it shapes us and molds us and sends us to the world. So do that now, we pray. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen. Three points to talk about tonight. Three points. Let us praise the Lord, the nature of our praise, and our mission of praise so first let us praise the Lord closing these psalms with doxology we see clearly uh, what, what is the chief end of man right we talk about that in our tradition why were we made what is our chief end whether you're eating or drinking whatever you do making art going to school working at home it doesn't matter why are we here we're here because everything that has breath was made to praise the Lord, to glorify Him, and in glorifying Him, enjoy Him. This is the, the great tension of our life. We see it in the book of Psalms. It's why Martin Luther said the Psalms are a mini Bible, because it's this great tension of lament and praise. Our sin, our suffering, our sickness, brokenness, weakness, fears, failures, all these things lead us to the Psalms. Where God has given us, he has given us psalms of lament. Come to me, he says, when you have need. Don't hide. Come out of the shadows. Adam, Eve, I see you there. I see you in the bush, naked. You know you're naked. I know you're naked. I see you there, hiding. You need not hide any longer. Come out of the shadows. I will sacrifice for you. I will pour out the blood of the precious and spotless lamb and I will make for you clothing the very righteousness of Christ and wrap you in life's tension of lament and praise is resolved in Christ Psalm 148 God has given to Israel a horn for their salvation it's talking about a bull's horn go watch the bible project video on the psalms and see how much of this sermon i've stolen from that this horn of salvation this bull's horn Is pointing to the power, vitality, potency, and virility of the Messiah who will save the people of God. He is the last Adam. And from what He does will come all the new generation of blessing and promises. Lament and praise is resolved in Him. So let us praise the Lord. But why? Well, count the ways. Count the ways. His mighty deeds, were told. His faithfulness in our lives. You may not feel like He's being very faithful right now, but can you think of a moment recently or even semi-recently when you knew, you knew that you knew just in that moment that it had to be the Lord that He was faithful. Count the ways. This is how the Psalms instruct us to praise the Lord. So many of the Psalms of praise are not just telling us to praise God in the sanctuary or because of His greatness or with these instruments, but What do they do? They recount all the deeds of God's faithfulness to Israel. He saved them. He brought Abraham out of Ur. He made a promise to Abraham. He kept that promise. He gave them wheat in Egypt when they were starving and dying providentially through the life of Joseph. He brought them through the Red Sea by the power that He vested in Moses. He fed them in the promised land. This is the story of our lives. The Psalms regularly do this work of stoking praise within us. Blow then on the coals of your own memory. (laughs) Stoke the flame of your own memory that you know that God has been faithful to you if you are His. Where has He been faithful? What a great thing to do tonight around the dinner table or after the kids go to bed or in your gospel communities or when you hang out with the brothers and sisters at Barrio Nuevo or Hope Women's Center or go to the adoption thing on the 15th. What a great thing to do to just ask this question. Where has God been faithful to us? We might be in a super up right now or a super down. We might be really stoked or really scared. We might feel in control or have deep anxiety. But where has God been faithful to us? You know, I think of my own life the biggest example for me recently is just and, and most of you are already aware of this but just kind of some of this medical stuff that my wife has been going through trying to figure out kind of what's going on with her um, lack of sleep and exhaustion and I don't want to be careful here because she's not here <laughs> and I don't want to make it sound like it's, it, it, it's too too serious and yet it is serious you know? and she's going to all these specialists trying to figure all this stuff out and finally as some of you know we end up at the Mayo Clinic how did we end up at the Mayo Clinic because they are not in our insurance plan and we cannot afford the Mayo Clinic out of network well there's a story about this couple that was coming to our church and at one point they had a lot of good reasons to probably not come to our church but by the grace of God they stayed it was a miracle and then as we're going to specialist A, B, and C and everyone is telling us something different finally in one of our gospel communities we threw our hands up in the air and said we're at the end of our rope here and this young brother said to me, We well, should email my dad. He's a doctor, and actually, he's a, he's a Presbyterian doctor. Imagine that. All right. So, long story short, via email, we end up sitting in this doctor's office and having a three hour long consultation where this guy looked at every test, all the blood work, all the x rays, all the specialists. He looked at it all and was finally able to provide us some answers and a way forward. But I mean, The mathematical impossibility, the mathematical impossibility that that this guy's son would be going to our tiny little church plant and that somehow through his son we would be able to see him and that he would be able to basically allow us to use his services for what we could afford, and that this guy's consultation and help... I mean, it's going to sound a little crazy because it's not cancer. Okay, there's way bigger medical issues, but what this doctor was able to do for us, basically, like, it was huge. If I talk about it too much, I'll do what I did in my gospel community and I'll start getting very teary-eyed and worked up. I even do now. I don't preach or cry very often, but even to talk about it, like, when someone you love is hurting, when someone you love is in pain and you can't do anything about it, and you're completely out of control, and then finally someone helps you. It's not even an exaggeration to say, I feel like this guy saved our lives a little bit, in a medical sense. Hallelujah. I have examples. I have a lot of anxiety and fear and people-pleasing and all kinds of other junk in my life too. False selves, places that I hide, places I escape. I have that too, but I have these examples that helped me to praise God in His providence in my suffering. He is with me. He is sanctifying me. He's setting me apart. He's making me weak. I don't want to be weak because I'm an only child, son of semi-successful baby boomers, private school, 21st century millennial. I want control, power, to be a 35-year-old CEO. And I'm entitled to those things, by the way, because I'm a special snowflake and there's only one of me in the world. I don't want to be weak, but God makes us weak. So that in our weakness, we might say with Paul, your power is being perfected because we're weak. Your power is on display to scandalize all the power idols of the world because we are weak. And it's in that moment of weakness, then what do we do? We can turn to no other thing. Money can't help us. None of the other pleasures of the world can help us. Nothing can help us. We turn to God. And that's where God wells up within us. Praise. This is the path of wisdom. These last five psalms, they all begin with hallelujah. They all end with hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise to Yahweh. This is the path of wisdom by grace through faith that bears the fruit of praise. What a Savior we have. Why should we praise God? Because He is with us. Because He has been faithful to us. Because if you are a Christian, you have examples of that faithfulness. Even in your suffering. Where should we praise God? Our praise always leads us back to the arms of Jesus. Not the anger and the wrath of Jesus. Some of you, because of your families of origin, perhaps because of a father or a mother or someone else in your life, it's really hard for you to understand this. It's hard for me to understand this. Some of us had great parents and it's hard to understand this. That God knows we are dust and that we are weak. and He doesn't come to destroy us comes to embrace us like the father who runs out to his prodigal son and embraces him with tears and puts the ring on his finger and the cloak on his back and says you thought you were alone you thought I was going to judge you you thought the only way that you could come back to me is with beating yourself up whip yourself do the penance be a penitente and then I will love you then I will care for you no all that time you were thinking that I already loved you All that time you were pondering that, wandering on the road, anxious, full of fear, will God love me? I already saw you, and I was already running toward you. This is why Jesus came in the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, not as the triumphant king. Why did we read, I got a smile from Brother Dave over here, because Dave's a pastor. He smiled at me. Why did we read that one verse? It It's not part of the little paragraph that says triumphal entry. It's a new paragraph that says Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. And we read that verse. Jesus gets to the edge of the city and he wept. His heart was broken. Jesus didn't do the preacher cry very often. Okay, There's like two or three times in the whole New Testament. Lazarus' death and here. He weeps because he knew their hearts. He knew their hearts. He wept over their works righteousness. He wept over the fact that They loved him on that day, but many, many would turn. Just a week later, Jesus came not as triumphant king, but as weeping priest. To do what a good priest does, he laid down his life for his people. For us, he took the just wrath of God in love. He rose to conquer our death. He is the central reason, person, and motive for our praise. So why do we praise God for all He has done? Where do we praise God in the arms of Christ for who He is? And this brings us to the nature of our praise. It's not based on how we feel. We already said that. We often don't feel like it. But praise isn't subjective. Praise isn't something that is oriented toward us and from within us it's not based on how we feel it's objective it is praise to one who is outside of us and it is due to God even beyond what is inside of us the 21st century church of our generation needs to hear this word again because so often we come as consumers what can I get and here's the thing God has told us he is worthy of his praise it doesn't matter how we feel it doesn't matter what we have going on he has said come to my house and praise me yeah, but God, I'm not getting everything I want. Huh, well, pin a rose on your nose. You know? I give you my one and only Son. Come and praise me. And here's what happens. When we see praise in that way, when it becomes to us objective and based on the worth of God and not subjective, based on our feelings, what happens? It shapes us. Praise is an act that shapes us. Praise and worship come from beholding in front of ourselves a gift that is so great that it shapes who we are, our joy, our ability to have contentment, our ability to trust God's plan trans which is a word I made up because I'm German and we do that. But you know what it means. It means beyond our circumstances. It means God is worthy of praise even if our circumstances don't look very praiseworthy. Oh, but you suckers are just like me, aren't you? I want to put our trust in princes. Psalm 148, 47, 49. We want to put our trust in princes. We want to put our trust in chariots and horses. In bank accounts and 401k. In houses and how our kids are doing and how we look. Our sex life. No, praising God reorients us from all those things. Those lesser gods, those idols. And instead of leading us to idols that we might lay down ourselves to make sacrifice in front of those idols. God makes sacrifice for us. No greater love has anyone than this than he lay down his life for his son. Phenomenal example of this recently with this baseball player, right? Some of you guys heard about this and I can't even remember his first name. Is it Adam LaRoche? Somebody tell me who's a sports nerd. Adam LaRoche. Alright, so I'm going to get this story wrong, but you can talk to Jason, Ross, or Eli, uh, I'm sorry, Elijah afterwards. They all nodded their heads and knew what was going on. Okay, But here's the story. Uh, this guy's team basically said you can't bring your son to practice anymore. can't have him around the bullpen. And honestly, a little bit of me understands that. But he responded boldly. And this is a guy who's standing on the edge of, what are you standing on the edge of? I've got a 2000 Tacoma with 500,000 miles on it. That's what I'm standing on the edge of. This guy's standing on the edge of a $13 million contract. For next year and turn it down I Said no it's an easy choice now this guy isn't perfect we don't go and praise him we praise God because this is exactly the kind of man up fatherly godly good thing that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ and he longs to see in us both fathers and mothers men and women laying our lives down for the needy for our sons and for our daughters We make choices every day and we will make those choices based on what we believe in our heart of hearts is most most worthy, most glorious, most deserving of our adoration. And here's Adam LaRoche making a choice, scandalizing the idols of the world to say what is most glorious to me is not 13 million dollars, it's my son. Praise is an act that shapes us and it's holistic with everything we are to praise times six praise with this praise with that all these instruments with everything we are to praise and everything that has breath is to praise with every instrument and tool available in your arsenal you may not have a huge Jewish pipe in your house that you can just walk around the block with your shofar you know pulling a Jericho and praying that all your neighbors are going to get saved that may not be your tool or your instrument but what is it? what has God given you? that you're good at that you like to do. Well, wherever you're and maybe you don't even like to do it. Maybe it's just your job. But wherever God has put you, use the tools at your disposal to praise God. And you know what that doesn't mean? It doesn't mean going into your workplace and, you know, causing an HR firestorm by slapping pagans across the face with the Bible. That is not what it means. What it means is you're looking for opportunities to do to them what Jesus has done to you. Love the Lord your God with all, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the thing we all love ourselves, we construe that sinfully so often. But if you are in Christ, then how do you see yourself? Hidden with Christ in God. So, loving yourself then isn't a bad thing because you have been loved by Christ. Now, go love people in that same way. Who is lonely? Who is hurting? Who's at the water cooler who just confessed, Man, you know, my wife's upset with me, we don't know how to get past this thing, or my kid had an accident, or whatever? or if it's not the water cooler maybe it's you know the Coronado Facebook page or whatever with every tool available with voices and bodies with song and with dance the full human is to praise God fully so Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all to the glory of God so what do you do you know what it is but here's the more important question is there praise there and I know it's hard. You're like, dude, I don't get to go around and just tell people about Jesus in my job. I'm not a pastor. What do you even do all week, bro? You know, if you want to do a ride-along, I'll show you what I do. All right? I work. But no, I'm not a pastor. I don't just get to go around and like hang out and have coffee and counseling and Jesus and study the scriptures and then, you know, hallelujah everywhere I go listening to like 90s Christian music. I understand that. I understand that. You have struggles in in your life and work and so do I. The question isn't, do you have struggles? The question is, is there praise coming out of those struggles? The question is, between the tension of lament and praise in the Psalms, is it doing what the Psalms does? And the Psalms are a mirror for how we're to live our lives. Is lament and praise in the friction of that tension getting so tight that one day it just explodes? And what is the explosion? It's not lament. It's praise. So whatever you do, Do it for the glory of God. What do you do and is there praise there? How can there be? Maybe maybe you're going to have to get wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove, my brothers. (laughs) I love when politicians do this. Why? seems like the worst. You're going to have to get wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Schneeberger 2042. (laughs) I mean, you have to get creative about how you will bring praise where there is no praise. About how you will bring what is fruitful out of the ground, which so naturally yields thorns and thistles. But that is our mission of praise. You see, Psalm 150 ends with a command, the same command it begins with. And it's a command that sends us out of these doors on to the mission that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us in Phoenix and in our lives. And we trust Jesus. We don't trust New Valley downtown, we don't trust pastors and elders. And I mean, we do have trust for each other, we should. But ultimately, our trust is in Jesus to lead us into this command. Praise the Lord. It is not indicative. It is imperative. Praise the Lord. This is our mission of praise. And on Palm Sunday, let our praise be genuine. Let us be honest. We would be just like those people throwing cloaks and palm fronds, and then a week later, when Jesus doesn't do what we want him to do, when he doesn't show up like Braveheart Jesus to solve all your problems in your time, and there's a little piece of your heart that's like, "Ah, crucify this guy, dude. I'm done with this guy. He didn't do what I want him to do. Palm Sunday, let us be genuine with our praise. I'm not that genuineness lead to obedience. Brothers and sisters, it is all grace from Alpha to Omega, from start to finish. But if it is truly the grace of God, it wells up within us, the praise of obedience. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I struggle with this. But God's, all of these images of the Father for us and the Father heart of God, it's not to keep us trapped in some Freudian state of infantile arrested development. Oh, you just need God because you're so weak and, you know, sucking on your pacifier. You just need a big daddy God to help you. That's not what the Father God does. He raises up children, strong men and women. He disciplines them so that they can grow up and come to full maturity and be useful in the world to obey all He has commanded. We need to praise God corporately. I need to hurry up. Here's all I want to say about that. Corporate praise. I was listening to Tim Keller recently talk about revival, and I love this. He said, here's how you know if revivals come to your church. There's a lot of ways. But here's one way that you might know that revival has come to your church. Your church isn't a country club, right? You're not the kind of people who would be hanging out anyway if Jesus were still dead. Ooh. Burn, dude. Tim Keller throwing shade. That's like, ah, you all just got scorched from that. The same kind of, we'd just be hanging out anyway, even if Jesus was still dead. Now, you know that revival has come when uh, the maid is mentoring the CEO. Because even in the world's balances of power, she is more spiritually mature. That's what I pray for. I pray for corporate praise among us to be such that we are sacrificing for each other, learning from each other, And that this is a body that God is building that scandalizes. I love that word tonight. But I mean, that scandalizes what the world says. Hang out with people like you, get power, build networks to get more power, work your way up, consume, succeed. And then die. And there will be no U-Haul behind your hearse. And praise in public. Poem by Hopkins. Jesus plays in a thousand places. Limbs and eyes are his. How will your praise manifest itself in public, in the public sphere, on Facebook, in political conversations? Because praise is inherently political, by the way. And God isn't asking us to make Jerusalem great again. Praise is inherently political because when Christians came onto the scene in the Roman Empire, they said, This is a new polis. This is a new city-state. It's a city on a hill. We have a new king. We live by a new book of rules. And the Romans said, that's great, that's sweet. Here's what we do. It's called the Pax Romana. Okay, we will let you keep your little weird mystery religions. We've got about a million of them. As long as you fall in line and you, you know, kiss the stone and the feet of the emperor. And they said, no. We won't. Because we have no king but Jesus. Jesus and they said no 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 of Caesar it is said he is the king of kings and the lord of lords it is written on his very throne and they said no Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the lord of lords they were political insurgents they had a new polis it's inherently political and for that they were tried for treason and killed oh that we would have such an honor to disavow all the other claims to primary power around us As Christians, we have only one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And all our praise joins with us in the heavenly praise of angels who know what the future holds and in our fear and weakness, in our joy and sorrow, where all of this is going. Where praise knows no sin and where the King has entered and reigns and is going to renew all things. This is where our earthly praise, although right now in broken vessels, although right now in a mirror dimly, is going. And because of that, we can say, no matter where the Lord finds us tonight, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your good word to us, for Psalm 150. Help us to praise you now as we come to this table.